nadhani mango juice zangu but like that's deep emotion you know like jesus was angry at a tree and cursed it and we also see from uh, john 11 verse 33 to 35 most of you are familiar with this um it was a time of the funeral you know lazarus has died and jesus walked in he found the mourning and this is what it says when jesus saw her weeping um and the jews who had come along with her also weeping he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled jesus wept and i kind of like that he says that he was deeply moved um he was deeply moved by sorrow and sadness and he wept and this is the guy who ends up resurrecting lazarus uh in the same scripture but even though him being the son of god knowing that a miracle was going to happen he still wept he felt what they felt he felt the, their loss as well um in matthew chapter 9 verse 36 it says When he saw the crowds he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd then he said to his disciples the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few I think it's just sort of amazing that the driving force for God reaching out for him drawing out to us is because he has this deep compassion and love for us you know sometimes it's so easy to kind of see that maybe it's just he feels it's responsible for us, for us and he created us so there's just this uh, burden of responsibility but he's actually compassionate and loving over us he feels that for us you know and that's a driving force for uh, why we are even here today why we got saved and why we are inspired to reach out to other people because god is is compassionate over us and is loving over us and he wants us to be the same for others too and then there's also another scripture and i kind of really like this one it's in uh luke chapter 22 verse 42 and this was the time when the cross was nearing it was about to face the ultimate wrath of god and he went to pray in a garden and he said father if you are willing take this cup from me yet not my will but yours be done an angel of the lord appeared from heaven to him and strengthened him and being in anguish he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was like drops of blood he felt that the son of god was anxious and afraid he felt that just like we do we relate to this because it's something that we have experienced too jesus felt fear and anxiety you know i know the surprising thing as well is that he was real to god about what he felt that he expressed it toward god that god i don't feel like taking this up but not my will but your will be done and you know back to our movie it's 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 kind of the same uh, journey that we see joy go through she kind of struggles to accept sadness you know and through if you watch inside out you relate you kind of identify with me that it's kind of tricky to like uh sadness for the first half of the movie because you kind of think why are you always in the way you know joy seems to be the one who's um seeming to always trying to make riley happy and do what is right for for riley but sadness always seems to get in the way but some, there's a certain clip where um there's a certain part where right where joy kind of decided that it was best to leave sadness behind in order to help, to help uh riley but in doing so she ended up uh stuck in this place called the forgotten room and what she learns in the forgotten room is absolutely imp- imp- 
important, and we can relate to it as well. She realized that mom and dad, and the only, she real, the only people who could help Riley at this time, and what was going on to her head was mom and dad. But it could only happen if Riley became real with her parents, if she really f expressed how she felt about the move. Because all this time, up to this point, Riley was trying to mask it all in, you know, just hold it all in. I never expressed any of it outward. But Joy realized that to help Riley, she would need to sort of uh, allow sadness to, to express herself. And that, showing that sadness will kind of draw in mom and dad, and they'll come in to help. I know it's, you kind of learn from this as well. The second point uh, that being a Christian does not mean that you're going to, be, to feel happy all the time. And I don't know, if maybe it's just me, but I've met a lot of people who it's so difficult to get real with, you know, because it's, it's, it's all masked up by this forget of what they feel a perfect person should be. You know, you could see that, you could sort of sense that somebody's going through a struggle, they're going through something, and then you kind of approach them to, oh, are you okay, is everything all right? But they kind of just, it's all just under a forget, and they're like, oh, I'm okay, I made a billion dollars, I'm going to George Clooney's birthday, and everything is perfect, you know, and it's sort of difficult to help somebody in that state, even if you know that they are, they are in need of help. And it's sort of the same with us, you know. Just like mom and dad could not help uh, Riley unless they kind of knew where she was at, God doesn't come in unless we kind of are real with him as well. We kind of drop those walls and uh, th that pretense that everything is fine and we can just be real before our Heavenly Father. You know, it kind of brings me back to the same uh, scripture we, we read in Luke about Jesus. You know, Jesus knew what the will of God was. He knew that God wanted him on that cross, basically. But still, we did not hold him back to really express what he felt, to say, I really don't feel like taking this up, you know. And you know, the, the scripture says that an angel of the Lord came in and comforted him in, comforted him in his pain. And I'm not in any way saying that we should wear all our burdens and everything that's going on in our lives that the whole world can see. I think we need to be a little careful in that nobody's going to like you. <laughs> they might love you still, but nobody's going to like you. You know, have you? Okay, I won't go there. But um, it's important that we just we learn to kind of be real before our Heavenly Father and have that circle of people that we are real with when we are going through uh, difficult situations. Um, and just saying that, let me just share with you something that happened to me a bit recently, actually. It was quite a week after. And I've been talking, like, we planned for this um, to sh for Inside Out. Uh, me and Melissa were going to share in it, and it was going to talk about emotions like before. But, like, last, through, this is really not the best period of my life, if I can just share with you, because it's family. Things don't seem to be right, you know. Not everything is fly and gloomy, and I kind of, I approached Lynn and I approached Melissa and just the leadership team and they all, and I said, you know, I don't really feel competent to do this. I kind of feel like I'm the most depressed person right now to kind of preach about depression, you know. And it's really in preparation uh, that I kind of realize this point that I'm sharing with you that I'm also trying to implement in myself. That, you know, that God is always there and he's got our back. And you know what happened last week? Um, 
is that I just had this another episode, you would say, where I was just like feeling low and I yeah, didn't want to do anything. But what I did is, I don't encourage you to do this, but I put it on my WhatsApp status. I was just like, oh, I'm giving up, life is horrible and stuff like that. And it, <laughs> it attracted some attention, you know. A lot of people started texting me, like, Sam, what's going on? Is everything okay? And, you know, it was just, I remember this point where I was in my bed, and I was like, oh, no. My phone was just constantly like, boom, boom, boom. Just people, people I haven't talked to in months, just, are you okay? Is everything right? And I just had to use that, you know, that Kamun icon, the do not disturb button. You know, let me just say that I never use that button at all, just this once. You know, I pressed do not disturb, and I just left my phone. But it was afterwards, like after waking up from that, it was kind of a, a tearful moment for me because it kind of reminded me who had my back, you know, just realizing that all these people care about me, you know, and they are watching my back. And if my life is not right, they are affected as well. And I kind of regret putting, uh, oh, I don't think it was the best thing putting that on my status, but I don't regret it because it sort of brought new hope, so to say in our lives. And you know, it's really important to realize that pain and discomfort are just part of life. They are going to come. And most of us can relate to that because we've experienced it. And the goal really is not really to um, mask the pain or to hide from it or to numb it, but to be trained by it. In Romans chapter 5, verse 3, if you can look at that. Yeah, it says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that sufferings produce perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. Let me just read that again. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that sufferings produce uh, perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. Like I said before, the goal is not really to numb the pain or to um, mask it, or to hide it but to be trained by, by it. Um, and, you know, something, if you take it, I kind of learned this some time back, like about addictions, just a side note f- for you. And somebody was saying, you know, the, the way to treat addiction is not really to look at the problem to say, this person is addicted to this, let's remove them on them from that thing. But it, addiction has really become something that people use to escape the pain. I know, I think I can relate to that as a person. I don't know if you can. There, I kind of have developed some means to escape certain pains. If it's too much, then I'll just use this mean to kind of escape it or numb it. But like God says, we need, God reminds us in Hebrews that um, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace by those who have been trained by it. The truth is that it's a broken world that we live in, you know, and it's not, sometimes it's not even our own brokenness that affects us, but it's a broken world, the brokenness around us. I just remember this moment, I was on top of my world, you know, I was back at my home with my family and everything was just going perfect. And then my sister just started sharing, sharing this story, my sister is from Quito, by the way, about um, a neighbor of theirs, their two kids, um, girls, who got um, uh, raped. And, you know, that just ruined my entire week because I just kept thinking about that. You know, all this brokenness around. And it's not even, sometimes it's an injustice or a wrong that has been done. That kind of just, like, why did that happen, you know? We are surrounded by all, this, by all these things. But God is right there with us, you know. He's 
always there with us, and he has felt it too. He's the most qualified for this job. Um, and the family of believers is also right there with us. They are leading us on. They are supporting us on. And what we need to learn is how to properly uh, handle our emotions. We need to learn to examine our emotions. Is, is, the, is the feeling that I'm feeling a result of a wrong, uh, a wrong thought that I'm uh, allowing in my brain? Is it that I'm feeling myself a lie? Do I carry any um, wrong beliefs? Do I need to communicate this, uh, these emotions this, to somebody? And if so, how do I communicate it to them without flying off the handle or being a nuisance and just being a drag to them? I know throughout all this, throughout the, experience, the brokenness that we experience, it's important that we remember God's promise to us. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. I know the scripture that says that, all, good, all things work together for the good of those who love him. That's the promise over my life, and that's a promise over yours. And I don't know about you, but it kind of brings hope in my situation, you know, just knowing that all things work together for my good. You know that God is working out something beautiful out of uh, something nasty, so to say. I really love that scene that we just watched because we begin to see inside or we see inside the minds of Riley's parents as well. And up until this point, we've just seen inside of uh, Riley's mind. But now, mum and dad, we get to see the interplay of their emotions, too. And while Riley isn't coping very well with her family's big move, we see that mum and dad maybe aren't necessarily responding very well and acting out their emotions very well either. And I think that the clip that we just watched, it reminds us that we need to be aware of our emotions, but we also need to be mindful and wise in how we express these emotions. Um, most of us have probably heard of IQ, right? Our intellectual intelligence. But there's also EQ, which is our emotional intelligence. And emotional intelligence kind of com is comprised of three things. One is it's our understanding of our own emotions. The second thing is that it's our understanding of other people's emotions. And the third thing is, is that it's how we respond to our own emotions and other people's emotions and how we do that in a mature and a wise way. And in this part of the movie, obviously, we can see Riley is not expressing her emotions very well. Um, she feels alone. And so actually what she's doing is she's withdrawing. She's not expressing what's actually going on. And it's all getting built up. And then it all spills out in an unhelpful way. And then also mom and dad, we see that they are not accurately maybe understanding what's going on with Riley. And they don't respond very well either. And how many of us can think of, if we're honest that we think of a scene like this that's happened in our family. I know when I was a teenager, man, there was lots of scenes where I could really relate to Riley, where there was all this stuff going on in my life, and I just had no language to know how to express that to my parents and to my sister, and so I would hold it all in, and then there would be a time, often when my dad was involved, where um, I, it would just all spill out, and it just really wasn't pretty. And now that I'm a parent, uh, there's times where I really find that my kids wind me up. And I know you can't imagine that, my three little angels ever doing that, and I'm sure you can never imagine me being wound up. But I definitely have a put-the-foot-down mode. And, and it doesn't look very different, actually, from Riley's dad. And, but again, it's not actually very helpful, because do you know what I'm doing? I'm pushing my kids away rather than bringing them in and communicating with them. And I think if we're all honest... We all have kind of these more um, negative emotions that, at times, they control us and they actually dictate our behavior. Um, and 
but the thing is, is that just because we all do it doesn't mean that it's okay, right? We all need to work on this area of our lives. And because the thing is, is that actually uh, to become more spiritually mature requires more emotional maturity because spiritual maturity requires a level of emotional maturity. For example, let's say that you're a committed volunteer here at Open Church. I'm sure none of you do this. You're a committed volunteer, but then you leave here and you go home, and all this anger rises up when you get through that door, and all you end up doing is blowing up and spilling out all over your family. Or maybe you are really disciplined with your devotions, but you're undisciplined with what comes out of your mouth. And we find ourselves gossiping and speaking badly about those around us because actually we're jealous of them. Or maybe we start our days with worship and prayer, but then we go to work and to school and we find ourselves bullying people and manipulating people because we're insecure. Or maybe we think it's more sophisticated to bury our emotions and disguise them and to hide them. But actually that's not mature, emotional maturity either. To be emotionless is not, is not healthy. None of that is okay, is it? We really need to grow in our emotional um, intelligence because it is a key to growing in our, in our spiritual maturity as well. Just before this scene, Riley is actually running away from home. She gets on a bus and she wants to go um, all the way back to Minnesota, which um, is a long way from, from um, San Francisco. But she realizes when she's on that bus that she should go home. And so she actually stops the bus and, um, and makes her way back home. And, and I think that this, this scene here that we see when she's, when she's come back home and expressed to her parents the pain that she's feeling and the sadness, I think that Riley shows incredible maturity, actually, doesn't she? She's letting her parents into that place of pain and sadness. She's communicating to them that even though she knows that, um, that they want her to be happy, that she's just not feeling it. And she's real with them, and she's honest with them, but she communicates it in a good way, right? And she lets herself, um, she allows herself to be vulnerable to them. And they come in, physically they come in and they hug her, but in her heart she allows them to come close and to comfort her. And that place of pain and sadness, at the end you see her just having that little smile, it's like peace has come into her heart healing is coming to her heart. And I actually think that this is a really beautiful picture of what Jesus can do in our lives. If we're open, if we're honest with ourselves and with him, and if we allow him to come close, he can come into that pain. He can come into the sadness that's in our lives. And there he can bring healing and wholeness. I think one thing that the movie doesn't show um, in, in the clip um, ahead of time, or the clip where he, she's on the bus, is that it doesn't show all the decisions that she would have had to make to come home. She's on this bus on her way out of town, and she realizes this is not the right thing to do. And you can see in the movie she kind of has a, oh, I shouldn't be doing this kind of thing. But then she has to stop the bus. She has to choose to say to the driver, stop the bus. Then she has to choose to get off the bus. Then somehow she chooses to make her way back home and walk down that road and take that bold step of opening the door and going through and going home. And then she has more bold steps of actually communicating what's going on with her life. She has to choose to let her parents in. And she might have been scared to do all of these things. And, and actually, maybe she didn't want to do it at all. But she knew it was the right thing to do. And so she didn't. And our emotions, they have tremendous power, don't they? Um, where we, what we do, where we go, what we say, uh, the choices that we make are heavily, 
they are heavily influenced by our emotions and by our heart. But actually Solomon and Jeremiah and other authors, they actually warn us that we shouldn't always be controlled by our emotions. We shouldn't uh, let them control us. Jeremiah 17 verse 9 and 10, it says this in the message. It says, the heart is hopelessly dark and deceitful, a puzzle that no one can figure out, but I, God, search the heart and examine the mind. I get to the heart of the human. I get to the root of things. I treat them as they are, not as they pretend to be. So there's some really uh, clear scriptures that talk about how our emotions shouldn't actually always be trusted, and nor should they always be in control. So while we should be honest and real about them, we we should still be mindful about how much control we give them and how we express them. Basically, we shouldn't be slaves to our emotions. I remember a few years ago, I was at our church in the UK, and our church leader there, Ian King, who many of you have met, uh, he said, as part of his sermon, he said that we shouldn't be controlled by our emotions. And I remember feeling like, whoa, you have offended me. I do not like that. I felt so offended in my heart, because I, do you know what I thought? I remember this so clearly. I remember thinking, you do not know the strength of my emotions. So who are you to tell me, when my emotions can be very intense, that I should control them, like I was just a slave to them, right? I felt so offended. And in hindsight, I think I felt offended, because what I wanted was permission to have my, con- my emotions be in control of this, of myself. And he challenged this. What I wanted was permission for my emotional reactions to be let loose on other people. I wanted it to be okay. I wanted permission to be able to speak unkindly to a friend when they had been unkind to me. Or I wanted um, permission to, to shout at somebody that had treated me with disrespect. That's what I wanted. What I didn't want was to take responsibility for my reactions. I wanted it to be okay for my emotions to control me. But actually, God's truth, God's word, God's spirit, that is what should be controlling me. He is the one that should be in control. He's the one that should be in control of what I say, what I do, how I treat people, and and where I go. So actually, what we need to do is submit our feelings, submit our emotions to God, to his word, and to his truth. And this we can still be open and honest with ourselves and with God. Giving God control of our emotions doesn't mean that we're suppressing them. If you read so many of the Psalms, they are full of the psalmists pouring out their hearts. And some of the ways that they say it is, it's not kind, it's, it's pretty ugly what comes out of their hearts. And yet they still choose to be so honest and real with God, raw with God. And they still choose then to lay themselves down before him and submit themselves before him. And so just as our hearts and our emotions, our feelings are so powerful, so are our thoughts. So is our will, our mind. And what really enables us to be able to make those good choices is our will. And sometimes submitting ourselves to God, it's not what we feel like doing. Even those words, submit yourself to God does that evoke a, yeah, you know, like, you know, it, we know it's hard. It's not always what we want to do. But actually, we need to do that. We need to submit ourselves to God's truth and to his word. Romans 12, verse 2, it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This basically means 
that we are learning uh, to take our natural way of thinking and exchange it for God's way of thinking. And do you know what? The more that we have the mind of Christ, the more that our emotions and our behaviors, our choices, they begin to line up with the character and the will of God. And isn't that all that we want to do, right? We want to be disciples. We want our lives, all of our lives, our inner and our outer life, to line up with the character and the will of God. And I think there's two particularly helpful verses that direct us in how we do this. And that's 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5. It says, take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. And I love this because, again, uh, it puts the uh, responsibility on us. Take captive. I, Melissa, I need to take captive my own thoughts. You individually need to take captive of your thoughts. So if we're feeling angry at somebody because they've done something to us, in our minds we might be replaying that situation over and over and over again. But you know what? That stirs up more anger and more hate again and again and again. And the Bible says, stop and take take that captive and bring that to me and submit that to me. Again, we're not slaves to our emotions. And Philippians 4 verse 8, actually we read this this morning. And as she started off our morning saying with these verses, it said, they say, fix your eyes on what is, sorry, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. In our pre-service meeting, we, we prayed into that. And, and this verse is just talking about lifting our eyes on our great and our magnificent God, the one that created us and cares about the details of our lives, and to fix our eyes on Jesus, who's our savior and our friend, a really, really, really good friend. And it's basically saying that we can ask God to show us our life and our situations from his perspective. Oh, and again, we can still be honest with God with where we're at and how we're feeling, but we can pour these things out to him. And our focus is him and not our feelings or our situations. And uh, this morning, I just felt like we should take some time to look upwards. And again, I just loved that Inesh started our morning off with this verse because I kind of want to end here as well. Is that, uh, yeah, I want to take some time. We're going to listen to a song in a moment and just and let our, our minds and our emotions be lifted up to God. And uh, I was struck by kind of two things as I was preparing for this morning. And one was just, um, just this thought of, of how much Jesus cares about us. You know, this, this morning we had communion where we, we remembered what Jesus did on the cross. And you know, on the cross, we often talk about how he came to bring physical healing. Do you know, he came to bring emotional healing as well. He came to bring, uh, to make our hearts whole. And I was really struck by that when preparing for this. And the other thing that I was really struck by is just um, like that scene where Riley opens herself up to her parents and, and allows them to come close, is that I just felt like this morning that there's a real invitation to allow Jesus to come close and that some of us are carrying pain and sadness within us and that it, this is an opportunity to allow Jesus to come in. And I just felt like, Maybe some of us actually feel really alone because you've not often let Jesus in. And you know, those feelings of alone, 
those will go away if you let Jesus more fully in. You also need to let other people in too, trusted people. But, but I just feel like this morning um, that there's a real invitation to be honest and real with God and to let him in and allow him to minister and come close and comfort us and bring healing.